G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie talks with author Don Stewart about how to walk with God in 2020. Here we are much closer than we've ever been. We've never been closer to the Lord's return than we are right now. What should our reaction be? What should we be doing as Christians? Ah, okay, as a Christian, you should be ready, be watchful. So we need to get our life together. We need to, you know, be a salt and light to the world. So as a Bible-believing Christian, we need to understand the times and live accordingly. This is the day when the lost are found. So many things that capture our attention on a daily basis. Health issues nationwide and globally, economic uncertainty, the coronavirus, global tensions. How can we keep our focus on God in spite of it all and walk closely with Him on a daily basis? On A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie speaks with a good friend, an author and a theologian who points us to biblical counsel on how to live appropriately as the day of the Lord approaches. Well, look who I have here. Let's welcome Don Stewart. Don, good to have you. Nice to be here. Nice to see everybody. Good to have you back. All right. Thanks for having me, Greg. Yeah, we're always happy to have you, Don. And we're going to have kind of a brief conversation tonight, you know, because I think people have just such an interest in so many things. But tonight we're going to just focus our attention on end times events. You know, I think sometimes people say, well, you know, you can't understand Bible prophecy. But yet, the very word revelation means the unveiling. Sure does. It is God's desire to reveal, not conceal. And when Jesus talked about the abomination of desolation, it's interesting. It says, let the reader understand. So if we're not meant to understand these things, why do we have these encouraging words in Scripture? And and here's what I want to ask you to start. You know, when you and I became Christians a long time ago. Long, long time ago. By the way, you're pretty old now. I'm very old now. But you're catching up. Well, I'm three years behind you. You're, you were four years behind me last year, though. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Wait, are you 70 now? No, not till May. Oh, you're 69? Yeah. You're just a young man still. Good. <laughs> but when Don and I came to Christ uh, back in the early 70s, uh, during the Jesus Movement at Calvary Chapel, uh, there was so much talk about the Lord's return. Pastor Chuck yep. was always doing prophecy updates and the number one seller. One of the top books of the entire decade of the 70s was The Late Great Planet Earth. It's number one. Yeah, number one. But yet today, here we are much closer than we've ever been. We've never been closer to the Lord's return than we are right now. Many things have happened in the last 10 years, even the last five years, arguably the last two years, that are fulfillments of Bible prophecy, and yet we don't hear that much preaching about it. You know what I'm talking about? You don't hear about it like you used to. Don Stewart, 
Tell me why. Okay, Greg. One of the reasons why is, there's a couple reasons. Number one, it's been preached so much, but you've got a lot of kooks out there, for lack of a better term, making making dates to when Christ's supposed to come back and telling us this and that. Their websites, it's always all in caps, reversed out of black or something, right? Yeah. With flames and things. Yeah. And, and, you know, and after a while, it kind of like the boy that cried wolf. Yeah. And and that's what's going on. Oh, we've heard this before. But remember what Peter says in 2 Peter 3, at the time of the end, they're going to say, where's the promise of your coming since the fathers fell asleep? We've been hearing this. Yeah. How many times have we heard this? But, yeah. you know, we're seeing things happen now, Greg, like you said, are so clear yeah. that uh, there's no other way to look at it than the fact that this is the Lord setting the stage for the time of the end. But, again, I, I think sometimes it's people that have you know, said things are going to happen. They haven't happened. Made yeah. dates, predictions, this and that. Or have got all excited. Uh, we call it newspaper exegesis. A story comes out in the newspaper. And they yeah. say, this has got to be the end. This is it. Without yeah. looking at the totality of the Word of God. Right. Whatever the case may be, it's sad. But you're right. It isn't preached nearly as much. Well, I want to tell you at Harvest, we're going to always be talking about the coming of Jesus Christ because I think it's such an important message. Amen. Because it actually has a purifying effect on us as believers, doesn't it? That, that's what First John says. Yeah, yeah because we're, we want to be ready at all times. We know the Lord could come, and we want to be prepared for his coming. It can happen yeah. any second. So it is purifying. It's an exciting thing, yeah. too, because we're always wondering when it's going to be. But it does purify us, too, Greg. You're right. Okay, so all the things that are happening in the Middle East, specifically Iran. Right. Uh, and looking at what the Bible says about the end times. Let's go to the Ezekiel sure. scenario. Uh, tell us where Iran, Persia, as it was called then, fits into the prophetic puzzle and why what is happening in the Middle East matters to us as Christians. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, Persia is, a, a modern-day Iran is ancient Persia. It was Persia till 1935, right. and Iran is the Farsi word for Persia. Yeah. Okay, it's the country along with Russia and Turkey who are going to be the three main people, who people groups, who are going to invade Israel in the last days. Russia is called Rosh. Uh, the leader, Gog, is the title. He's the Prince of Rosh. Now, it's not because it sounds like Russia, why it's Rosh. There's many reasons why we believe that. The yep. country of the furthest north of Israel and Babylon, where Ezekiel was. So you've got Turkey, which is called in, in Ezekiel, uh, this is the territory there, uh, Beth Togarma and Gomer. That's in kind of the area where almost the three countries meet. Armenia, where you've got Russia, Turkey, and Iran, they meet. So Turkey, Iran, and of course Russia are going to be part of this last day's coalition. And Greg, what's amazing about this, if we would be, in fact, we talked about it in 1970, if we said these countries would unite against Israel, but Egypt would be out of it, people think we are crazy, because Egypt has fought in every war against Israel, you know, uh, 48, 67, 73, and yet now they're unfriendly with Israel. The best friend of Israel in 1973 in the Middle East was the country of Iran, wow. the Shah of Iran. And it was only until 79 when Khomeini took over that it turned to the Islamic Republic of Iran, the greatest state sponsor of terrorism in the world right now. So they have turned. Turkey, a member of NATO, where Israelis took their vacations just a few years ago, wow. has also turned. And so you've got this coalition there, but particularly Iran, because they're, again, they're the one that's front and center with particularly what's going on now in the Middle East with these. Uh, uh, missiles they sent over recently to um, Iraq and the two bases there. So in the 70s, Iran was the best friend of Israel, the best friend of the United yeah. States. Uh, Ten years ago, Turkey was a great friend of Israel, the great friend of the United States. Right. But now all of them are working together against Israel and against the U.S. Okay, so let's just uh, fast forward and say we're at that moment and this is happening. Uh, the, the Ezekiel scenarios unfolding before our very eyes. Where do you think the church will be? By that I mean believers. Because we hear about this event in Scripture. 
the rapture of the church, right. or we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air. In your understanding and looking at a timeline, do you think the rapture would happen right before this, during this, after that? Is it connected to the rapture, or is it something that is not as connected? It's a great question. Bible believers differ on this. There's yeah. like 12 different views on this, but I think the view with the less problems is the rapture of the church happens pretty much right before this Ezekiel 38, 39 invasion. And here's the reason I say that. In Ezekiel 39, it says at that time, the people will realize that God is working on the side of Israel. Yeah. All right. So he's got a, that unique relationship with Israel, Greg, will be back into play. Right now, it's the church. Of course, mm-hmm. Jews and uh, Gentiles both. There's going to come a time, Israel's been set aside, where he's going to work with them again. And the fact that he, you know, basically with the invasion, he works on the side of Israel and intervenes, tells us he's starting to work with them. So that seems to be at this last seven-year period. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're out of here when that happens. Okay, so with all these things going on, what should what should our reaction be? What should we be doing as Christians? Ah, okay, as a Christian, you should be ready. And that's what Jesus talked about, Greg, in Matthew 24, 25, when he was talking about the signs of the end. Be ready, be watchful. So we need to get our life together. We need to, you know, be a salt and light to the world. So as a Bible-believing Christian, we also need to do this. We need to understand the times. Daniel twelve ten mm-hmm. says, at the time of the end, the wise will understand They know what's going on. The wicked will never understand. We can understand this, Greg. We can understand the scenario Mm because God's laid it all out. But the wicked will never get it. So Christians, you know, understand the times and live accordingly. Well, Don, thanks for your insights. Let's thank Don for coming out and sharing with us. God bless you, Don. Thank you, guys. Listening to Pastor Greg Laurie, the senior pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, USA. And he's continuing with a study aimed at helping us to understand what it means when the Bible speaks of walking with God. It's part two, entitled, How to Walk with God in 2020. Let's grab our Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. After my discussion with Don, it's clear we're living in the last days, right? Do we all agree on that? We're living in the last days. All right. So here's the question, what should we be doing in light of that? How should we be living? So we took a look at a guy in the Old Testament whose name is Enoch. And he had what you might describe as a solo rapture. Well, by that I mean he personally was caught up to meet the Lord and be with the Lord. And there's no other illustration of this in Scripture And he was kind of living in his version of the end times. Because it was the days before the flood, before God judged the earth the first time. And here's what we read about him. We're going to come to Hebrews 11 in a moment. But Genesis 5.21 says of Enoch, he lived 65 years. He begot Methuselah. And after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. He had sons and daughters. And all of his days were 365 years. And here's the big verse. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. So the Lord caught him up to be with him. And there's four takeaway truths from the life of Enoch that are relevant for believers living in the last days. Number one, we need to walk with God. Number two, we need to live lives that are well-pleasing to God. Number three, we should be a witness for God because number four, One day we will go to be with God. So let's quickly review what we looked at last time. Enoch walked with God and was not. Remember we looked at 
Amos chapter three, verse three, which says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? And there's a lot of truth packed into that simple verse. And remember one thing that we pointed out is to be agreed means to be in sync with. So the idea is if we walk with God, we're in sync with God. You know, when I take a walk with my wife, she always says, you're walking too fast. Slow down. Wait for me. And you know, sometimes she has high heels on. So she's like walking this quick, like this, you know. So I'm, okay, 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 you know. But the idea is you take a walk together. You spend time together. So to walk with God is not running ahead of God. It's not lagging behind God. It's staying in sync with God. That brings us to our second point. Enoch lived a life that pleased God. He lived a life that pleased God. Look at Hebrews 11.5. Enoch had, underline these two words, this testimony, this testimony that he pleased God. Listen, every Christian has a testimony. And by that I mean a story. You have your story of how you came to faith and guess what? Everybody has a story about you. I have people come up to me sometimes and say, oh Greg, remember we met back in the 70s? Uh, I was getting a cup of coffee and, and then they tell me some story that I have no recollection of. Now, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. Sometimes I'll ask, was I nice to you? Oh yeah, you're really nice. Okay, well that's good to hear, I hope. And sometimes they'll say, yeah, not so much. So, you know, you have a reputation. Things that people say about you. Enoch had this reputation. Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. This is very important. Every day we face three possible motivations about who we're going to please. You can please yourself. You can seek to please other people. Or you can seek to please God, but you can't do all three. If you live to please yourself, you will live a miserable life. The best way to be unhappy is to spend your life in the pursuit of being happy. But that is not the way to live. So if you live primarily for yourself, wanting to please yourself, you'll never be pleased. But then if you live to please others, maybe you'll even be more miserable. If you're a people pleaser, you know, you get really upset if you don't get enough likes on your post on Instagram or whatever. You get a little pushback on social media. You should look at some of my pushback on social media. People come unhinged, I'm telling you. But, um, you know, so I, I want to please everybody. Well, you're going to have a very hard life if that's the way you live. The person you should want to please is God. But I have to tell you this. If you choose to please God, not everybody else will be pleased. If you live a godly life and you stand for truth, you will face opposition. The Bible says all that seek to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So when you're living a life that's pleasing to the Lord, I have to just break it to you, some people will be very unhappy about it. Just know that. And then Jesus said, I always do the things that please the Father. What a statement. Well, I couldn't say that, could you? I always do the things that please the Father. I mean, I think I could say, I sometimes do the things that please the Father. I would like to say, I usually do the things that please the Father. But Jesus could say, I always do the things that please the Father. What an amazing statement. Well, how do I know if I'm pleasing the Father? Let me give you two biblical points, two verses that specifically tell us what pleases God. 
One is in Second Peter 2. And here it is. One thing that pleases God is when you're treated unfairly, you hang in there. Again, one thing that pleases God is when you're treated unfairly, you hang in there. How many of you have ever been treated unfairly? You've been misrepresented. Raise your hand. Well, what's with the rest of you? <laughs> I think all of us would say we have at some point. We've all been misrepresented. We've all been mistreated. You've had people tell lies about you, right? You know what that's like. But listen, if you sort of rolled with it, that pleases God because First Peter 2 says, God is pleased with you when you for the sake of your conscience patiently endure unfair treatment and you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing right and are patient beneath the blows, God is pleased with you. So if you've been misrepresented, mistreated, and you've hung in there and you haven't struck back, that pleases God. Another thing that pleases God is when we worship Him. Because Hebrews 13, 15 says, By Him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise and as the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. And don't forget to do good and to share. Listen, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So what you were just doing in worship, that pleased God. When you reach out to someone who is in need, you help somebody out in the name of the Lord, that pleases God as well. We need to walk with God, and we want to live a life that's well-pleasing to God. Pastor Greg Laurie with some important insight on living a life that pleases the Lord. Some good insight today on a new beginning from Hebrews 11 and from Pastor Greg's discussion a little earlier with author Don Stewart. Now tomorrow Pastor Greg shares how we can let our light shine ever brighter for the Lord. It's good encouragement towards sharing the love that we've received from God next time on A New Beginning. of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called How to Walk with God in 2020. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-50-11. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.